So welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us today uh, at our podcast. The topic for today's podcast is ASCO GI. So Aman, welcome. You attended ASCO GI. Can you tell us a little bit about how your experience was? Thank you, Mahim. Pleasure to be here. ASCO GI was great. It was held from January 19th to 21st in San Francisco, and it was absolutely a pleasure to be there. So the conference captured different cancers related to the GI tract, such as gastric, CRC, pancreatic cancer, along with others like esophageal, biliary, and HCC. So it looks like there is a lot to cover. So first of all, thank you so much, Aman, for joining. We are also joined by Sammy, who is our gastric expert. So welcome, Sammy. Thank you so much, Mahin. So since you are our in-house gastric expert, what caught your eye during this year's ASCO GI? Wow. There are a lot of interesting trials at ASCO this year, but there are two exciting trials that really caught my eye. First, the spotlight trial with Zobaltuxabab, and then also Checkmate 649 evaluating Nevo and Chemo, both in frontline metastatic gastric cancer. So this is very exciting. We, so it seems like we saw some long-term data from the nivolumab trial, but also there is a new target therapy which could potentially become available and approved in first-line gastric cancer. So that, that's very exciting. So before we jump into the data, Sammy, I just wanted to make sure our listener is aware that within HER2 negative gastric cancer, nivolumab on the backbone of chemotherapy is currently approved, although there is some discussion on where the correct use of nivolumab is, and the data is also slightly different for CPS greater than five or CPS less than one. So what else did we learn from the long-term data coming out of ASCO GI from Checkmate 649? Yeah, so actually looking at the published three-year data readout, evaluating, again, the efficacy of NEVO plus chemo in patients with advanced gastric cancer, gastroesophageal junction, and esophageal adenocarcinoma. So this trial actually led to a lot of approvals throughout the world, but the important thing is that it did meet both primary endpoints of overall survival and the progression-free survival was actually clinically meaningful. Now, through the three-year data follow-up, we saw that the NEVO plus chemo combination was able to demonstrate clinical meaningful long-term overall survival benefit with an acceptable safety profile, further supporting its use of standard of care in first-line treatment, previously untreated patients with advanced gastric cancer, again, gastroesophageal junction and esophageal adenocarcinoma. Now, you mentioned the use of, you know, pdl one status as well as CPS scores. In terms of efficacy, you know, for pdl one CPS score of greater than or equal to five, there was an improvement in overall survival of 14.4 months versus 11.1 months for chemo alone as well as an increase in uh, median progression-free survival of 8.3 months versus 6.31 uh, months for chemo alone. Now, the important fact here is that after 36 months, there was an overall survival benefit where 21% of patients survived versus 10% of patients with chemo alone. Great. So that seems like that NEVO has some durable benefit in, in first-line gastric cancer setting, which is, which is very exciting. So moving on to your next presentation around zolbetexumab in first-line gastric cancer. So correct me if I'm wrong, this trial only enrolled clouding 18.2 positive patient population. Is that is that right, Sammy? Correct. Uh, so the clouding 18.2 population here was actually 30% of the screen patients. But if you think about PDL1 status, 13% of those had PDL1 positive as well. So that's a very important point, uh, Sammy, that you just made. So the trial is uh, enrolling Claudine 18.2 positive, which was around 38% of the irrespective of PDL1 
expression level. But if you look at the positivity of claudine 18.2 in PDL1 positive, it's only 30%. So majority of those patients are coming from PDL1 negative patient population. So yeah, so tell us a little bit more about how did this agent do in cloud in this spotlight trial. Definitely. So this study showed statistical significant improvement in primary endpoint of medium progression-free survival of uh, 10.6 months versus 8.6 months with the hazard ratio of 0.75. And the study also met its secondary endpoint of medium overall survival of 18.2 months versus 15.5 months with a hazard ratio of 0.75. This is great news, especially for patients. There is a new treatment and an alternative, especially for these 18.2, as well as HER2 expression. Now, this can really, really change the the standard of care, especially used in first-line gastric cancer. Exactly. So now, first-line gastric cancer would have multiple treatment options, especially for this HER2-negative patient population. So if you can go for nivolumab with chemotherapy, chemotherapy alone, or even for if it is cloudine 18.2 positive, you have an additional treatment option also with exuvab. However, it is small, the overlap of patient population, it will be interesting to see how physicians and patients sort of think about the value of zolmetexumab versus a checkpoint inhibitor in this overlapping patient population, as we just discussed. So thank you so much, Sammy, uh, for those great insights and summary. Moving on to what's coming up in, in near future, what, what are you excited about in gastric cancer? Yeah, so I know we spent a lot of time talking about the metastatic setting. Well, there's some really exciting news coming to the gastric and the early stage setting. So we actually have some major readouts, including Keynote 585, which is going to be the first neoadjuvant adjuvant therapy in early gastric cancer, which is studying the efficacy of pembrolizumab plus KPOX, also known as Zlox. And we're hoping as of right now, according to ct.gov, the trial is expected to close in the second half of 2024. So there is a chance that we might be able to see some of these results by then. Awesome. So it seems like checkpoint inhibitor is starting to make movement towards early disease as well, which is consistent with the trends in other tumor types as well. But it's very exciting to see it happening in gastric cancer as well. So moving on to the next tumor tumor type, uh, which is pancreatic cancer. As I'm sure all our listeners are aware, and um, I know Aman will talk about it more, pancreatic cancer is an area of high unmet need. Uh, for so long, the standard of care in first-line pancreatic cancer has been either fall Ferinox or Gemnapax, so essentially chemotherapy, then the prognosis is pretty poor, it's, it's less than one year. So the overall survival for a first-line pancreatic cancer is around, around one year, which is very poor and, and something needs to get done. It's been a hard-to-treat patient. And I know, Aman, you have some interesting data that read out at SGI that could make some dent to the unmet need in first-line setting. So can you tell us a little bit more about NAL-ERI and how, how is it different from the ERI-NUTICAN that physicians tend to uh, use in first-line setting? Yeah, so both of these are the new therapies that are based on Arinotecan. Um, so Falfrey Knox uses Arinotecan in its original form, uh, but Naliri is a new combination that uses liposomal encapsulated formulation of the SN38, which is the active metabolite. And the goal here was to manage clinical toxicities that were mediated by SN38. So the liposomal version is expected to provide a sustained but slow release of SN38 and also to improve distribution and hopefully improve responses in the patients. Exciting. So exciting engineering technology sort of helping improve chemotherapy's response. So moving to the trial, uh, which you highlighted at the beginning, Napoli 3, can you tell us a little bit about what was the objective of this trial before we jump into the data? 
Sure. So to remind our audience, this trial was uh, treated patients with liposomal adenotecan in addition to infusion of 5-FU, leucovorin, along with oxaliplatin. And the goal was to see that whether this regimen is better than chemo, which is the trial that used was GEM plus NAPAC. Okay. So the control arm was gem NAPAC and for the experimental arm, in the chemo combination of Paul Firinox, they were trying to replace irinotecan with nal irinotecan, and I think now they are calling it nal irifox. So that's a lot of jumble of words, but we'll go through them one by one. So, so again, before jumping into all those treatment options, maybe let's just go through the data that was presented at ESCO GRI. Absolutely. So the study met its overall primary endpoint of overall survival and secondary endpoint of progression-free survival. But the difference that you see is not so much. So the improvement is from 9.2 months with GEM plus NAPAC to 11.1 months with NAVIRI combination. And this is the overall survival data. The progression-free survival data also showed similar results, a little less than two months of improvement with the NAVIRI regimen. The numbers are significant, but the data seems to be weak overall. Why do you say that? Because you have to factor in the toxicity profiles as well. Mm. So overall, the two arms had similar rates of treatment emergent adverse events, such as the grade 3 or the all grade, but the detailed toxicity profiles will show you differences. So the GEM plus NAPAC arm showed hematological toxicities, while the Neliri arm uh, showed non-hematological, more GI-based toxicities. A lot of complaints were diarrhea, nausea, uh, things like that. Finally, another part is the neuropathy, uh, which again, the rate was pretty similar, but the little challenge here is that the trial measured neuropathy separately as peripheral and sensory. So the head-to-head comparison is slightly difficult to do with other trials that have measured neuropathy as well. But overall, the consensus seems to be that the toxicities, uh, neuropathy toxicity seem to be similar in both arms. Okay, so if I can summarize it a little bit, it seems, and before going into the discussion of Nali versus Iri, it seems like the triplet regimen, which we will call the Polferinox, is a triplet regimen versus the doublet of GEMNAPAC. Seems like there is certain improvement in efficacy, so overall survival, progressive injury survival. But then there is some risk benefit that physician patient might have to do in terms of the safety profile that they uh, want the want patients to get exposed to. Yeah. So overall, like especially this is going into whether this will become a standard of care. If you think about that way, the question is whether Naliri regimen will that do better over Fulfinox regimen? And the question here just honestly will come down to toxicities. KOL seeing that the data is not that better that you may want to switch all your patients to this regimen, but rather the patients that may have more toxicities with the Fulfinox regimen may do better with Naliri regimen. Also because uh, the Naliri regimen uses less oxaliplatin uh, dose than the Fulfinox regimen. So they, they expect less toxicities, uh, at least in the real world setting. So overall, I, I think the consensus is that Nelly Fox could be viewed as an alternative rather than a replacement. Great. Perfect. So th- thank you so much, Yaman. There was a lot to get through within ne- ne- uh, Napoli 3, but I guess the bottom line, as you really summarized well, that now physicians and patients have another treatment option in their arsenal. Maybe it's not a clear standard of care, but it adds to the arsenal of treatment options. And depending upon the risk benefit, patient performance status, how exposed they were to other treatments in their locally advanced setting, physicians and patients can make informed decision on which is the most suitable treatment option for them among the three in enforcement settings. Anything else among that caught your eye beyond beyond the Apoli 3 trial in other tumor types, for example, HCC or biliary tract cancer? 
Yeah, there was a lot of data that was shared. Um, so there were two trials, the ones that you mentioned, HCC and biliary tract cancer, that really caught my eye. Unsurprisingly for the field, both of these trials were sort of negative. But that being said, there was a lot of learning to be had from these two trials. And we, it, it'll be interesting to see how the field takes this further in the upcoming years. So just to elaborate a little bit more on these trials, uh, the first one that I was thinking of was the SWOG um, 1815 trial which is the one that was done in biliary tract cancer. So this was a first randomized phase three trial for this particular group of patients. And it investigated the triplet combination of gemcitabine, cisplatin, and NAPAC against the standard, which is gemcitabine and cisplatin. The trial did not meet its endpoint, uh, but identified small numerical differences in particular subgroups of patients. And this subgroup seems to be the patients with locally advanced disease or ones with gallbladder adenocarcinoma. Uh, another thing that I noticed was like, they want to do more biomarker analysis that may help identify more similar subpopulations. This is like what they got a sense from the trial. So more to be seen in this area in the next few years. So the other one that I was thinking of was the NRG RTOG 1112 trial. This was done in HCCs. And the trial had to be terminated because the, of the change in standard of care uh, from chemo to ETESO. So now at least patients have that option. But the trial was able to renew interest in radiation therapy in liver-dominated HCC. And there are active investigations using radiation in combination with IO and other therapies such as TACE and TARE. So there's really a lot of learnings, even though they were not positive readout. No, no, of course, as, as you rightly said, that even if the trial did not meet the primary endpoints, there, there are still some learning. So it's, it's exciting to see that investigators have identified subgroups, have found utility in radiation, and it's across across different tumor types. There are certain, there is trends and studies going on evaluating immuno-oncology with, with radiation. So exciting to see some development happening in SCC and BTC as well. Before we close, Sammy, is there anything else, particularly from CRC space, that you wanted to highlight? Yeah, so great question. So while these results were not presented at ASCO GI, on the first day of the meeting, CGEN announced the U.S. approval of ticatinib in combination with tracetuzumab for CRC patients with RAS wild type, HER2 positive, resectable disease. Now, this is the first therapy approved for the subset of patients, and the company anticipates approximately 700 patients to be treated per year, and the approval was based on the results from Phase 2 trial Mountaineer. And these results were actually presented at ESMO GI in 2022. Now, the results from the Mountaineer trial showed 38% overall rate of response, but also using the combination of tucatinib and tracetuzumab at a follow-up of 20.7 months. Now, the key secondary endpoints were also met with a medium duration of response of 12.4 months, medium progression-free survival of 8.2 months, and median overall survival of 24.1 months. Now, while the company received accelerated approval, a global randomized phase three clinical trial called Mountaineer 03 is currently ongoing and will compare to catnip in combination with tracetuzumab and MFOLFOX6 with standard of care. And it is intended to serve as a confirmatory trial to support future global regulatory submissions. Exciting approvals in CRC. Thank you so much, Sammy, for sharing some of the efficacy data that led to this accelerated approval. And we'll keep on the lookout for the for the data from the Mountaineer 03 data uh, trial as, as it gets presented. So again, thank you to Aman. Thank you to Sammy for coming in and giving us quick highlights on key data that were presented and not just the data, but what it means for the market and the landscape in general. So thank you, Aman. 
Thank you, Mahim. Yeah, and thank you so much, Mahim. I really had a great conversation with you all. Awesome, and I'm, I'm sure this would not be the last time we'll get you on our podcast. I'm, I'm sure the GI space is going to evolve even faster and quicker as new agents come into, come into phase three. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining and listening in. And please don't forget to subscribe to the Axiom Catalyst podcast.